the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is another good one today. We've got some great guests. We will talk in a few moments. You know, I'm really actually pleased. This year I got to this earlier. Um, You know, we have had in the past someone from Wreaths Across America, the extraordinary nonprofit that puts wreaths on the the, um, gravestones of soldiers. And I usually wait until late in the year. And uh, it's a lot of the work they do is at Christmas, right before Christmas. And this year I'm going to get to it earlier. So we'll talk with Joe Reagan. Excuse me, Joseph Reagan from that group in a few moments. We'll also get a chance to visit with our old friend Hans von Spakowski about his new book on voter fraud. Uh, but first, what do you need to know? What do you need to know today? Well, I have to tell you, what you need to know today is the story, the question, the reality of the Kyle Rittenhouse a trial, which begins today, began on Monday, and uh, will go for a few weeks, it looks like, and we'll see. Um, and there's a website called lawofselfdefense.com, an attorney by the name of Andrew Branca. And he does the best job I've seen of laying out, uh, in fact, the title is What to Expect as the Rittenhouse Trial Begins. And I'll put it up on social media for you, the direct link. But let's re- to refresh, Kyle Rittenhouse was a young man, 17 at the time, and uh, on August 25th, 2020, he went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he had been um, employed as a young boy, you know, young man, a teenager, as a, a lifeguard and as a, I think he did something else in town there. So it was kind of where he was from. And he was frustrated because they were burning down the city of Kenosha. You hard to remember. It's a, it's just about, um, I guess, a year and two months ago. Year and a, yeah, a year and two months ago, uh, August 25th, 2020. And so he went there and he went with a weapon and he um, was attacked and he shot and killed in defense, self-defense, his argument, his assertion in self-defense. He shot and killed uh, two men and wounded another. So now he's charged with a whole bunch of charges, reckless homicide, intentional homicide, attempted intentional homicide, reckless endangerment, blah, 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 all these things. And the, the legal defense to all of the felonies, which is the big ones, are is, is self-defense. Uh, you know, I guess the, there's misdemeanor charges um, and that may or may not be related exactly to what's going on. But here, let me say this right now. I agree with people who have said on social media and on radio shows that, that a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, a lot of people are ignoring this trial. This trial is a really important one. Kyle Rittenhouse, by the facts that are known... He he moved, he went from his hometown, Antioch, Illinois, which is just a few miles away, and he went over there, and he went to Kenosha, and he went there because he wanted to protect the property that the rioters were rioting and looting and committing arson. That's allowed, right? This is America. That's allowed. 
And so he did that. Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't a kid. I mean, he was a young man, but he wasn't an inexperienced kid. He had been trained in some aspects of medical care. I'm not sure it was from being a lifeguard or otherwise. And he was there. He had, a, he ha- had with him a first aid kit. He knew what was happening, and he carried him his own AR-15 pattern rifle, which is lawful to carry in Wisconsin. And that's the facts right there. So what we know then is that he, but almost midnight, chaos that was going on, and people were coming at him, and so he shot, did shoot and kill two people. That's not in dispute. And so the question is, can he be charged with homicide for it? And what this country needs to understand and what people should care about is that Kyle Rittenhouse was one of the few people that ran towards the bullets in that summer of, of hell that was engineered... At this point, I think we can say engineered by the leftists who wanted to take down President Trump, because is there a reason why this whole summer in the last four months there was no rioting? You ever wonder why? Did they get all the problems solved of race? Did Black Lives Matter and Antifa get all of their problems solved? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. In fact, what we can say now is they used the summer of 2000, they meaning the left, to fortify the election. And one of the fortifying aspects of it was to have the media and the friendly uh, police, excuse me, friendly administration, not the police, don't blame the police, but in those cities where they had mayors that were just, you know, just leftists, they let the things go wild. Think of Portland, think of Kenosha. Every, and and, and my, again, my point is, just think about what happened when they got rid of Trump. Trump was not president. Did, did Joe Biden do anything to make things better? Is there any reason why there was no rioting? Is it possible that no African-Americans died, arrested by cops? Of course it happened over the last four months. And my point here in setting that up is Kyle Rittenhouse was a, a completely his conduct was completely consistent with what Americans should do. Stand up for the property, stand up for their towns, stand up for what's happening. He, he is a hero. That's true. Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. Kyle Rittenhouse should be regarded as someone who did the right things. He actually did the right. He, he stepped up in a way that was, frankly, it was much more, um, it was much more worthy of praise than the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands that America, uh, Americans that sat home and watched cities burn. I'm not, by the way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all inviting people to go get their gun and go out and, and shoot up the place. That's not what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse was threatened. Kyle Rittenhouse's life was in danger. Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't a newbie to guns. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to handle it. And so he ha- he, put, he protected himself precisely because he was under he was attacked. And these people that attacked him, he he knew that he was in a, in a real problem. He was actually in a big, he was, well, he was fearful of his life. And there's no reason to think that he, that his judgment, it, it was subjective. It's his judgment, right? It's not anybody else's, but he, it's, it's his judgment. He was, he was concerned that he was going to be, a t- going to die. And so the re- reality of this is that Kyle Rittenhouse is, the, is someone who should, who should be, be 
encouraged. He should be acquitted in this case. He should be acquitted completely. And he was uh, and he should be let, you know, he should be uh, completely, you know, not not uh, put in this position. He shouldn't have been put in this position at all. But the, the reality of the scene there and of what happened to him was that he was his life was threatened. That's reasonable. The people that were acting there, and some of them will be at the center of this um, uh, at the center of this trial, will be the conduct of some of them. And one of the things the judge judge dealt with was that he um, he actually had to uh, um, the judge had to rule on what they could call the people who are involved in this because they were not they're not exactly Boy Scouts. The people that were rioting that attacked him and all that. So this is what's going on. This is going. To, this is what. This is what's at stake. And the idea that this guy, Joseph Rosenbaum, who was killed, is going to somehow be uh, vindicated by holding Kyle Rittenhouse to a standard that any normal American, if you knew the facts, instead of just instead of just hearing the media hysteria, hysteria, if you heard what the facts were, you would have a much, much different impression. So my point is here. What you need to know is this. What happens a lot, a lot in this country is that the left does crazy, terrible things, and then they get away with it. They rioted and burned cars on Inauguration Day 2017. None of them were charged. All those charges were dropped. And and when Republicans, well, not good night, Republicans, when conservatives do something, they get charged. They get hung out to dry. January 6th is an example. The Tucker Carlson movie starts tonight. But this is another example. Kyle Rittenhouse was trying to save his community. Kyle Rittenhouse was trying to protect property. Kyle Rittenhouse was in the great tradition of this country. Is he perfect? Of course not. I don't know, even know him. Maybe he is perfect. I don't know. But he sure, certainly was, it was within his rights to do what he did. And the people that were burning down Kenosha and rioting and looting, they should be on trial. You hear anything about those trials? The, what you need to know now is we, you and me, people that care, have to stand up for Kyle Rittenhouse. We have to be on his side because what happens to conservatives a lot of times and Americans, they just get tired. They move on and the left stays and tries to punish and punish and punish. All right, everybody, I got to take a break. That's what you need to know. We will take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is uh, one of my favorite causes. And, I, and Joe, I was just telling our listeners early in the show that um, I tend to end up talking to the people at Wreaths Across America like in early December. And it's just a few weeks before Wreath Day when they lay the wreaths across uh, on the on these so many military uh, headstones. And so this year, I, I, we've been talking in Joanna Hope's book, our guest. We got an email about what you're doing. I said, let's get them on now. So it's November. So it's not it's not too late. Uh, it's coming up fast. So welcome, Joe Reagan. And you're one of the directors, uh, excuse me, the director of military and veteran outreach for Wreaths Across America. So first, uh, Joe, tell us. Give us that thumbnail on Wreaths Across America. It's an extraordinary history, and I know we could talk for an hour about that, but just give us you know, a kind of minute on what, what the founding was and what it's about and what you guys are doing all year round building towards Wreath Day in December. Yeah, no. When, first of all, Ed, I, I can't thank you enough for your continued support of the program, and I know you and, and most, a lot of your listeners are huge supporters of Wreaths Across America. Uh, this is going to be the, the 30th year 
of the laying of reeds at Arlington National Cemetery. And it's not the Reeds Across America is a little bit younger than that, but you know, a, a momentous kind of opportunity to you know share this mission to remember, honor, and teach. And like you started when you opened up, um, most people think of us for Reeds Across America Day this year. It's going to be on December the 18th. Um, but throughout the course of the year, we are we are moving forward with amazing volunteers across the country uh, to help that full mission of remember, honor, and, and teens in organizations that we support throughout the course of the year. And um, of course, you can see um, just what the program is all about. All right, so um, you'll be happy to know, Joe, that every every kid. Uh, this is the important thing. My mother loves what you do, and she will call because the origins of this were Maine, right? That's where the founders were from, and I think they still do a lot of the wreaths. So you come down to Arlington, uh, and and you come down. <clears throat> excuse me, it's a big deal. And along the way, there's stops sometimes. I think, and there's uh, people participate in other ways. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. So it's still to this day, all of our reeds are uh, handmade from balsam fir trees that are uh, up in, in northern Maine. Uh, our founder, Moral Worcester, started this tradition, like I said, over uh, 30 years ago. Um, and it just started as he found himself one season having some leftover reeds and decided what a great, what, what a great way to put use to these, these leftover reeds and to go down and honor the sacrifices of our men and women um, who have served our, our amazing country. Um, and so now, uh, 30 years later, there's a, you know, Reeds Across America is a national nonprofit. We are we have over uh, 2,700 participating cemeteries across the country, uh, and every year we do we do a convoy that goes down from northern Maine that starts about a week before Reeds Day, and it works its way down the East Coast, uh, all the way down to uh, to Arlington, culminating with uh, Reeds Across America Day. So, um, Joe, uh, there's lots of I'm, I'm from Missouri and uh, out there we have incredible uh, out at Jefferson Barracks. We have an incredible um, uh, military uh, cemetery there, too. Has it grown to go to other uh, cemeteries? Do people decide to participate in a way where they are and and uh, and put wreaths on on the on the stones and other places? Or is it Arlington focused? It, is, it really is. Our volunteers across the country make sure that this happens at, at over 2,700 different cemeteries across the country. Uh, so you really do. It, it's, it's one day, but it really is an opportunity for everyone in America to come together and, uh, and to focus on the stories of, of our service members and our veterans and what they've done for this country. Um, because what better time of year than to, to come back and to focus on those stories and those men and women um, who have done so much to guarantee our freedom um, and, and to use that as an inspiration in the holiday season. Um, again, remind our folks where they can go to f- to find their ways to support and see some of the stories and some of what's uh, uh, what uh, what's happening. Absolutely, it's uh, readsacrossamerica.org. Uh, you can find all sorts of information about our program there. Uh, and again, there's there's opportunities there to engage with us as a fundraising partner, um, opportunities to volunteer. Uh, so there's lots of things that you can do to support our mission to remember, honor, and teach. Out in uh, out in St. Louis, I remember the Boy Scouts used to put used to do for Memorial Day used to put a flag on every headstone, and it's t- tens of thousands of uh, of headstones in Jefferson Barracks uh, uh, Military Cemetery. Do, I, and I think I know this. You, you need volunteers in Arlington uh, to help put out the wreaths, right? I mean, the trucks will come with the wreaths, but then you need an army of volunteers to help. Correct. <laughs> And we couldn't do anything without without our volunteers. And, and of course, on Reef Day, there's a huge effort there um, at all of our different cemeteries to go out there. And let me tell you, this is something that, that means a lot to folks. I mean, it, this isn't just going out and laying a wreath on a stone. This is going out there and saying the names of each and every individual that, that you're encountering as part of this process. 
And, you know, we have a saying that everyone dies twice. Once when you take your last breath and the, once when the last time someone says your name. And so when you go out there, and it sounds so simple, but the, yeah, the power of that moment uh, is overwhelming. And if you've never done it before, I encourage folks to go out and try it. Because once you do it, you're going to be hooked and you'll come back year after year. It becomes a family tradition like it is with mine. Uh, we're talking with uh, a, a Joe Reagan, who is the uh, uh, coordinator, uh, one of the guys who works with uh, Wreaths Across America, and is particular uh, coordinator with the um, efforts to reach out to military and veterans uh, for Wreaths Across America. Okay, um, Joseph uh, Reagan, what's the? Tell me what the um, what the uh, um, wreaths cost. Like when I when I see those wreaths, that tens of thousands of them. Does each wreath cost? Five bucks, two bucks, 20 bucks? I mean, you know, sometimes something you see that's so nice, you'd pay 25 bucks for it, but it may cost $10. If somebody calls you up and says, I've got $100 I want to give you, are they going to be able to fund five wreaths? What's Give me some sense of what you can sort of do to support the uh, effort. Yeah, each, each one of these wreaths, and again, these are all handmade wreaths, um, are $15 each, but, and, and you got to think of it, it's not just a wreath that you're laying. I mean, this is really a promise that you're making not only to our living veterans, but to the families of those uh, who have lost service members or veterans in their lives. Um, it's that promise that we are all going to live up to the legacy of the men and women who served us. You know, I myself as a veteran, um, you know, it was an amazing privilege to, to serve alongside some, you know, just truly exceptional individuals and to see what they're able to accomplish. And, and it's something that, you know, looking at in my, in my post-service life as I, as I raise my kids, to use that as an opportunity, as a teaching opportunity as to what we can do to be better Americans, to be better parts of our community, um, and just be better humans. It's just a wonderful program. The uh, and the, and give me one more, uh, Joe. Give, I, I don't think we talked about it. the the founder of this effort is uh, the the founder of the company, right? The the the, the businessman, and is he still involved? Yeah, so Moral Worcester is uh, again he was our founder, and um, you know we now operate as two separate entities. So still reads across America as a standalone 501c3, um, but Moral is, is still very much involved every year, uh, making that that trip down to Arlington to be part of it. Um, you know this is something to him that is just tremendously important as part of of his legacy, um, because he just looks at his life and and um, you know trying to find those ways to give back, and he he recognizes the fact that he wouldn't have what he had today had it not been for the sacrifices of, of our men and women in uniform. Um, and so this is just a small thing that he can do to, uh, to continue to support um, not only our, the veterans that have, have passed, um, but veterans that continue to, to live in our communities across the country. Uh, very good. Joe, one more time, tell our folks where they can find out more and how to support uh, what you're doing. Absolutely. ReadsAcrossAmerica.org is the place. We also um, have a number of newsletters that you can sign up for so you can learn about the mission that we're doing throughout the course of the year. Very good. All right, Joe Reagan, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll have you on again. The, the oh, Wreath Day is uh, December 18th this year or 16th? Yes, sir. December the 18th will be the uh, National Wreaths Across America Day. December the 18th. So if you're anywhere near uh, Washington, D.C., and I think, tell me, tell me, is that a, what day of the week is that? Is that a Saturday? It's always going to be a Saturday. Yeah. And that's, and that's not just Arlington. That's, uh, you know, go, go to readsacrossamerica.org and uh, look up where you are. 
you'd be surprised there's probably a location participating near you uh, that you can you can do this regardless of where you live across the country. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Find out. That's right. Go to the website and see where you are. If you're if, if as I'm thinking about it, if you're near uh, Arlington, you know, and you need a reason to come to uh, Washington, D.C. for the you know Christmas uh, season, it's a it's a I've seen the I haven't participated, Joe. I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen it, though. And it's incredible kind of an army of volunteers, but all across the country. All right. Joe Reagan, thank you. Wreaths across America dot org. We'll put it all up on social media and uh, we got to run. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a pro. America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since we talked to our old friend Hans von Spakovsky. He is, of course, the senior legal fellow and the manager of the Election Law Reform Institute at Heritage Foundation. He's been uh, involved in elections, uh, involved in uh, defending the Constitution. He was uh, a member, a commissioner of the Federal Election Commission and uh, was also counsel to the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Justice. Just been working on these issues a long time. Well, he's got a new book. He told us months ago that he was working on a book called and the book is out. It will be out on uh, on Tuesday, on Election Day, in Virginia's Election Day, New Jersey's Election Day, a few other places. It's called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, so welcome back, Hans von Spakowski. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's coming out on, if you can believe it, at the one-year anniversary of last year's very contentious election. Yeah, it's fantastic. Good timing. I hope it makes it that people will. Uh, uh, and with John Fund, who's done great work on voter fraud and the other issues. Right. So, um, Hans, before we get to the book, uh, observations about the ongoing the observations about Virginia's election. Uh, there's been allegations that some of the counties were not abiding by the rules on absentee ballots. I mean, one of the things that when we look back at 2020 and you've done it since so closely is there wasn't just one one tactic that was done there was lots of different things that seemed to make the system not work as well as being i'm being generous there same thing seems to be happening in virginia a little bit no it is and in fact it's probably no surprise given that uh terry mcauliffe the democratic candidate has hired apparently mark elias who was basically the legal general behind all the lawsuits last year and in fact there was a lawsuit filed uh, in Fairfax County, Virginia, that's the largest county in the state, represents uh, a very large portion of it, uh, against the general registrar of the county because, in essence, the general registrar said that they were not going to comply with the state law that requires you, when you request an absentee ballot, to not only put it down your name and your, your registration address, but also the last four digits of your Social Security number. That's, that's a security uh, precaution. It's one of the only ways to make sure it's really the voter um, uh, requesting the absentee ballot. And this general registrar said, well, that may be the law, but I'm just not going to abide by it. So we have this strong uh, probability that p- potentially hundreds, if not thousands of ballots that should not be counted under uh, the law of this state will get counted in this election in, it's probably no coincidence, Ed, a county that is a these days a big democratic stronghold. Yeah, 
No, none of it's a surprise. And, uh, you know, as, as I, we, we don't need to discuss this now, but I, I, I've been saying something similar to what President Trump said a few weeks ago, which is a lot of the grassroots folks think the system was rigged and they're just not going to engage again if they don't see somebody trying to explain it, which is why your book, again, it's our, the book title is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And uh, it is uh, Encounter Books has done some great books uh, who is publishing it. Um, Hans, when you look at 20, when you look back at 2020, dug into it again, you're, you're not even a, you're not a, a guy who's worked on elections. You, you are an election law expert. You're an election systems expert. And in the descriptions of the book, and the book comes out uh, next week in the next few days, it, it says, um, uh, the, the, the real story of a broken election process. My question for you, Hans, at this point, and again, it's Hans von Spakowski, the author and the uh, noted senior legal fellow at Heritage Foundation we're talking to. Is the system beyond repair? I mean, do we need a new system? I don't really want Washington to to design a system, but it feels like the system is broken. And I don't think either party seems to be serious about addressing that yet. No, it's not beyond repair. There are very basic steps that can be taken by states to fix uh, many of these issues. Um, in, in fact, uh, you know, Florida, Georgia, Texas, a few other states um, at the beginning of this year, actually, their legislatures passed some good reforms to fix some of the holes and the vulnerabilities in the system. It's it's not enough. Uh, there are other states that haven't done this work, but it, it can be remedied. It can be fixed. And look, frankly, one of the ways for that to happen as for more folks at the grassroots to get involved and start doing what parents have been doing by showing up at school board meetings, well, folks also need to start showing up at the county election board meetings wherever they live to keep an eye out on what those election officials are doing, what they're not doing, to make sure they're taking all the steps they should to ensure the integrity of the voting process. Uh, again, we're talking with Hans von Spakowski. His book is uh, out, uh, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Um, Hans, the 2020 um, push, you mentioned Mark Elias. Um, a lot of it's now publicly documented. They they did an interview interviews for, I think, Time Magazine or Newsweek Magazine, and it's, right. it's all come out publicly. Zuckerberg's $419 million, at least, that was spent through nonprofits. Um, it, it was 2020 the culmination of the system being broken. I mean, in other, in other words, you, 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 the real story of broken election process. It was they finally used sort of all the tools all at once. Is that what happened? Yes, it is. Many of the changes that were made, like trying to avoid voter ID laws, trying to get rid of signature comparison on absentee ballots, all, all these basic safety precautions. The left's been trying to get rid of those for years. And they were, they've been, uh, in many respects, unsuccessful in many of those areas. Uh, but finally, last year, unfortunately, using COVID as an excuse, and in many cases an unjustifiable excuse, they convinced states to make many of these bad changes in the law, and now they basically want to make them permanent. And so you have places like Nevada where, they had never before mailed out absentee ballots to all the, the voters, and, and now they've decided, oh, we're going to do that all the time, which is extremely risky and dangerous uh, because absentee ballots, that's where fraud often occurs. Easiest way to steal an election is with absentee ballots. 
Uh, Hans von Spakowski, um, what is the uh, what is your optimism that uh, the that there'll be enough reform and enough energy sustained to make sure that the 2022 elections go uh, well enough, especially at the federal level? Well, look, um, for example, in Congress, Republicans have been great. They, they have stayed together as a caucus. They have successfully filibustered and prevented several of the really bad election bills that have been pushed forward by Nancy Pelosi that would have been a federal takeover of the administration of elections. So they've actually been doing a, doing a good job of that. Um, a number, like I said, a, 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 a number of state legislatures acted at the beginning of this year, and we still have um, the legislative session that will start in January of next year uh, in many states where we get a, a second chance to convince other states to fix these problems so that um, we have good elections at the end of the year when, when we uh, elect all of our congressional representatives. And, and But I, I, like say, said point blank, I mean, are we going to get enough of it done to, to fix it? Are we going to are we going to deal with uh, uh, and uh, and I guess by 2024, um, a national election. So here, here's the way I heard someone describe it to me. They said we need an election process that um, that both wings of this uh, country will have confidence in, because a year after the 2016 election, somewhere close to 70 percent of Democrats said the election was rigged. They, they believed Hillary Clinton, who was saying Russia, Russia, Russia. And close to a year after the Trump of the 2020 election, uh, Republicans, 78 percent think the election was rigged. It's not a good system to have such lack of confidence so easily um, kind of subscribed to by the citizens. So can we can we get a system that people say, oh, yeah, it's working or are we just going to live with this back and forth? Well, to some extent, I think we are going to live with this back and forth, because unfortunately, what used to be a bipartisan issue, everybody wanted to be sure that that nobody was cheating elections has unfortunately last decade divided. And it has become the, the, the leadership of the Democratic Party has just pushed forward this whole idea of there's no fraud. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need any precautions in place for it. Now, the one good, the one good thing in this area is that their constituents don't agree with that. And so, for example, if a state passes a voter ID law, yeah, the media – and Democratic leaders may, may rant about it and try to make all kinds of claims about vote suppression. But you'll find that the voters of that state, no matter whether they're Republicans or Democrats or independents, are all going to think that was a good idea. Because voter ID, for hmm. example, has overwhelming support among Americans, no matter their race, no matter their political affiliations. Huh. That's good. That is a good sign. I think that's something I hadn't heard. All right. Uh, Hans von Spakovsky, uh, the book is important. Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, and it is, of course, Encounter Books, which does so many good books. And John Fund is the co-author. Uh, good luck with it, Hans. We'll have you back on again. We'll be watching uh, Virginia's elections uh, per- particularly closely. So we'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Herschel Walker is one of the hottest political figures in America today. 
He jumped into the Georgia U.S. Senate race that was already one of the most watched in the country. This seat is currently held by Democrat Raphael Warnock, based on porous voting procedures that Georgia has supposedly since fixed. It's easy to see why the nation is watching this race so closely. After all, Republicans could regain a majority in the U.S. Senate by winning just this seat next year. President Trump immediately endorsed Herschel Walker, which is no surprise since it was Trump who first vocally encouraged his longtime friend to enter the race. Walker is campaigning on the American dream, which is a good fit for a former phenomenal football running back who came from poverty all the way to the NFL. Walker's ad declares, I'm a kid from a small town in Georgia who lived the American dream, and I'm ready to fight to keep that dream alive for you too. As Walker well knows, the American dream separates Republicans from Democrats. Republicans believe in and promote it, while Democrats are cynical about it. No one can doubt that Walker embodies the American dream. Obese and bullied as a child, he embarked on a self-improvement regimen that included 1,500 push-ups and 25 to 3,500 sit-ups every single day. An old tire is an environmental blight to liberals, but to Walker, it was an opportunity to increase his sprinting speed. He would fill a tire with weights to create resistance for sprinting exercises and went from an overweight kid to an NCAA track star in the 55-meter and 100-meter dashes. He became a sensation throughout Georgia by leading its University of Georgia Bulldogs to the National Football Championship in 1980 with an undefeated season. He's considered the greatest college football player ever, finishing among the top three in Heisman Trophy voting every season he played and winning it once. Other Republican candidates would do well to imitate Herschel Walker's football and apple pie approach to political campaigning. Americans are fed up with professional politicians who pose for the cameras. We want champions who will fight for us on the biggest playing field of all, the American political landscape. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, I told you I would close out with my predictions on Virginia's gubernatorial race. So I'm ready to predict. You know, I live in the Commonwealth of Virginia now, and I live in northern Virginia, so I'm in the midst of the the sea of blue. Uh, The rest of the Commonwealth of Virginia is pretty much conservative and Trump country, but up in the northern part, northern Virginia, Fairfax County, Loudoun County, very, very many uh, people who vote uh, a little bit too far left for me. Uh, But... Let me predict for you what's going to happen. Um, And first of all, let me say the context of the race. In a normal race, in a normal race, I think Virginia is a plus five for the Democrats. In a normal, if you could just take all the other things out of it, I think that would be right. In this context, though, the the wrong track of the country, you know, somewhere north of 70 percent of the country, I think it was 72 percent, Democrats and Republicans think the country's on the wrong track, maybe 71 percent. That's astounding numbers. And so we're not in a vacuum. And a lot of people are looking up and they're saying, huh, what direction? What do we got going here? And then you have to choose. And the choice is Terry McAuliffe, who no matter what you think of him, is a, you know, he's just a, he's a a carnival barker, a salesman for the Clintons and, you know, an old fashioned Democrat Paul. Now, again, normal times, that guy wins. 
Not normal times. His opponent, the Republican Yunkin, is a businessman, very rich businessman, probably had some business deals that included kind of sending jobs over to China and stuff. I, I've marveled that Terry McAuliffe didn't try to nail that down. But the fact is, Yunkin, he's about 6'6". He's got four children, his nice wife, played basketball at Rice University, grew up in Southern Virginia. He lives in Northern Virginia. He's the perfect kind of guy. And then, in this context, the issue that became the biggest issue in 2021 for this election was the schools. And Terry McAuliffe dismissed the teacher, the, the parents' concerns by saying parents shouldn't be in, you know, involved in the schools the same way. And Youngkin pounced. So you got wrong track for the country, people not believing that Biden's up for the job. Here's McAuliffe, who looks just like another you know, insider. And then the school thing. And I don't think you can underestimate the school thing, the school issue. Because so many people pay high taxes in Virginia for their schools that they, they it's sort of it's galling. Even in the best of times, you hear people complain, I pay so much in taxes and you get. And so here's here's McAuliffe siding with the teachers unions and saying you shouldn't be you know, you shouldn't be involved in this. It's none of your business, parents. It just sort of became one of these things where people said, I'm, I'm not going to take that. So that's the background. Now, the other thing that's going on very little coverage of this, is Virginia, even as it's gone sort of blue, uh, McAuliffe won in 20, let me get this right, 2013, and then Northam won in 2017. This is the governor's race. And whoever wins the governor's race, generally down below that, the um, attorney general and Senate governor just go the, the same party. But so it's been kind of a blue state. Uh, Biden won by eight or nine or 10 points. Hillary won by five um, in 16. But here's the interesting thing. The House of Delegates and the state Senate have stayed really tight. And so the House of Delegates, you know, this is the like the House of Representatives in most states. In Virginia, it's called the House of Delegates. It's only separated. The Democrats have control by about four or five seats. And same thing in the Senate, very close. So what you have had this year is tons of money put into running good races. And so there's really good candidates running as Republicans, challenging the incumbent Democrats, and it's at the delegate level as well as the Senate level. And the impact of that is that you have more energy and organization than you might usually have. Now, having said that, it's always better to be an incumbent, right? Incumbent has a money advantage and also the name ID and all. But in this case, it's created a dynamic where people can can really see a path to winning back the majority uh, Republicans in the House of Delegates and, House, and, and State Senate. So that's been a big factor, too. So here's what you have. My predictions are now that Yunkin will win by five. And that the House of Delegates will go to the Republicans by three or four, maybe five seats. Senate will go to the Republicans by two seats. It could be bigger than that, though. It could be bigger than that. There's some evidence that there's a lot of voters are either believing this next statement or it's kind of a what they call a fake because. It's a way to say something to excuse your behavior. But the statement is this. I like Yunkin. Because he's like, he's enough like Trump, he's going to change things, but he's not, you know, mean and doesn't tweet mean. There's a lot of that kind of feeling like, hey, after Trump, now we see Biden, gas is up, inflation's up, all these things are up, not in good ways. you know. And, and so we don't want to say we like Trump, we're in Northern Virginia, but we certainly like the policies better. It felt like a better path forward. And so you're getting that. So I think it's going to be a big night. And as soon as that's over... I would say by Wednesday at noon, the Democrat Party will sprint away from Joe Biden. 
you will see nothing pass the House or Senate. They will all stall. They'll be licking their wounds. And, re- and the Democrats in the, se- in the House, for the U.S. House, will be panicked. And Democrat candidates for U.S. Senate and Democrat candidates for Congress and Democrat candidates for governor will all be panicked. In t- uh, the 2022 will look very different uh, by Wednesday because of what happens in Virginia. That's my prediction. All right. Let me finish up again and say, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. You can sign up there for the daily email, the wink, what you need to know. Sign up, put your email address in there. It's very simple. You get an email Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. A few links, a few stories, and what you need to know. And I don't sell your email address. don't rent it. It's just for me to send those emails to you. It doesn't cost you anything. So also you can go to ProAmericaReport.com and see those great interviews we did today. Joe Reagan, uh, Hans von Spakowski. You can get those as standalone links. And follow me at Twitter on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great producer Noah Dingley and uh, he keeps everything going on right on track as well as Joanna Spilger from our home office who helps book these great guests we will take um, uh, into account by the way send me an email any requests you have I got a good request from somebody of a guest I'm going to try to nail him and get him on the show so we will talk to you tomorrow it's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report talk to you then this is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.